Psalms chapter 92 is our main text for this morning. Psalms 92, we will read from verse 12. I intentionally skipped a week to do this session. As you know, week before last, we were reading from the same psalm and talking from the same psalm. So I I deliberately did what I did last week just to give a breather so that I give a different direction here. It reads as follows in the New King James Version, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Tell your neighbor, I'm like a palm tree. (laughs) Tell your other neighbor who didn't say anything, you are too late. Now I'm like a palm tree. (laughs) It says, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm flourishing. <laughs> Tell your other neighbor, neighbor, now I'm flourishing. I don't know about you, but I'm you. I'm flourishing, you know. All right. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Hey. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Tell your neighbor who didn't say amen. You see, you are stale. You are not fresh at all. Oh, yeah. It says to declare that the Lord is upright. He's my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. I love God's word because it's full of metaphors that compare our Christian journey and our spiritual conversion process. And it talks about us being planted in the kingdom of God. God even likens, the Bible even likens God's truth to rain. As you read about it in Deuteronomy 32 verse 2, the apostle Paul in Talking to the Christians in Ephesus, he says to them in chapter 3, verse 17, that they needed to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And so God borrows all these metaphors from nature, from everything that we see around, to give to us an understanding of these spiritual truths. Even more so, the holidays and days of convocation, days wherein the children of Israel were supposed to take a break, and uh, which give a picture of how God works with us as human beings. God uses all these metaphors. He talks about seasons where it's almost like the spring rain coming. God says, I'll come to you in the form of the former and the latter rain. I'll come to you like the early rains and the late rains. And he says, your fields will spring up with corn and wheat. And he uses all these metaphors to talk to us about our lives. And so in our text today, the righteous are compared to two trees, the palm tree and the cedar tree. Very interesting that these two trees are so different to one another. Week before last, as I said, we talked about the palm tree. Today, I want to talk about the cedar tree. And in particular, it talks about the righteous being like the cedar tree of Lebanon. We hear that this tree was a tree that was coniferous, And it is now rare, and it's a protected species in Lebanon. We are told that this tree is so big and imposing in stature. It's a stately tree. And the reason they say coniferous is because it has, you know, it has all these, uh, uh, it it, it bears certain kinds of fruits. And as you know, some of the trees that have all kinds of certain types of fruit, and we would find this tree bearing this fruit. We are told that it would grow to a height or a stature of about 30 meters. 
Can you imagine a tree that's almost like a 12-story building? It would go that high. That's you as a cedar tree. Not only that, we are told that the circumference of this tree could go to about 12 to 15 meters. Let me count for you. Just show you how, how big the circumference is. Okay. This is where I'm going to start. So you count with me. Ne? You know how to count. Or you count like the musicians. One, two. You know, musicians can't count before two. Testing one, two. So let's count. Let's go. Can you imagine the tree that big? That's you. In case you didn't say amen, I said that's you. God says the righteous shall grow like cedar trees. Tall, imposing, big in stature. Fruitful all the time. This tree, as I said, bore cones. And not only that, it was an evergreen tree. Keep that in mind. The wood of this tree is highly esteemed because of its durability. And it was used in Bible days, for instance, when David built his house, we read about this tree in 2 Samuel 5, 11. Also, in the building of Solomon's temple, in 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 6 to 10. And then when the new temple was built, after the children of Israel came out of captivity in Babylon, And you read that in the book of Ezra, chapter 3, verse 7. And Ezra is a very interesting book. And the theme thereof is a very interesting book. And so this tree, you find it in building the temple, building a house. This tree, you find it in being used after people come out of captivity. This is the righteous. So the temple speaks of you being Christ-like, speaks of you being in the house of God. But we're also told that this tree... Also, Solomon used it when he built the carts which were drawn by chariots. So the cedar tree is even found in warfare. So you as a believer, we note that you are symbolized by, you are both royalty on the other hand, but at the same time, you are also a warrior. And the Bible talks about us being kings who go to war and priests in Christ. And we carry these two abilities by the nature of God and by the gift of God. And that's who we are. And when we understand who God has made us and we take our rightful place in the kingdom of God and in everything that we do, we can see the fulfillment of what God says. So in this lesson, I want us to examine this meaning of the righteous being compared to the cedar in Lebanon. What are the lessons that we learned from this cedar in Lebanon? Number one, the cedar in Lebanon, as we said, is cone producing. It grows to about 36 meters tall. That's about 10 to 12 story building. Its branches are wide spreading and go straight out horizontally. As you can see, where's my cedar tree? They had it at the back. As you can see right there, the tree right behind me, you see the branches wide spreading, going straight horizontally, we are told up to 9 to 15 meters from the trunk. That's how broad this tree is. So in, in Bible areas, it was known as the king tree. So the Hebrew word cedar, very interesting, comes from a root word that means firm. F-I-R-M, firm. Therefore, the cedar tree is known for the firmness of its roots. 
In fact, we are told that the adjective from which this word cedar comes from, it means firm and strong. Therefore, what made this tree firm and strong is because of its ability to sink roots way deep down into the ground. In Hosea 14 verse 5, it reads, Israel shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown in their commentary states, and they talk about this phrase, the roots as in Lebanon. It says that as the trees of Lebanon, especially the cedar trees, which cast down their roots as deep as their height is upwards. So the secret of this tree, if you see it tall and standing up there tall and high, you are sure what you see on the outside is what it is underground where you don't see. And that is the secret of the righteous people. It is not about the outward show, but it's about the secret place in our house with our God. It's about that life where we have a strong, rooted life in the things of God, not for public show, not for public view, not for people to say anything. And Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, if I was in so much, I'd say, those guys are show off. He says, when you pray, don't do it to be seen of men, but go to your father in secret. And right there in the unseen places, talk to your father who hears in secret, who sees in secret. But your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so your outward life becomes an expression of the rootedness that you are in the things of God. And if we are to be like these cedar trees, we must learn the secret of being rooted and grounded in the things of God in our secret life. When nobody sees and nobody is there to witness. But we have a life in the presence of God. When you read the history of so many women and men that God has used, you'll find that they had such a rich private life in the presence of God. They prayed for hours. They read the word for hours. They had covenants they had cut with God in their hearts that I will never violate certain things even if nobody is there to see it's about the secret life that we share. Can I hear an amen? amen? What an amazing analogy. To grow spiritually. For us, it's for us to be deeply rooted in God. Deeply rooted in his way, in his life. In other words, we will only grow as tall as we are rooted deep. And Paul, when he writes to the church in Colossae, in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, he says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul says, don't just be a surface Christian, a window dressing type of faith. Let it not be just a facade. Shouldn't be a facade. It should be something that you are rooted and grounded in. These are times for us to be rooted and grounded in God in these difficult and challenging times where sometimes you wonder if God is hearing your prayers. 
You are wondering why is it that God, these things are happening in my life, even when I've given my life to you. But no matter what happens, I'm not going to move from you. I will stay rooted and grounded. I'll go to church even when it doesn't make sense. I will kneel down and pray. Even if it looks like the heaven are like brass, I will be rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. Just like the cedar tree. Number two. Very interesting that this tree is not just called a cedar tree, but they include the word Lebanon. So the including of Lebanon in this tree's description gives us further spiritual insight. Because Lebanon refers to the tree's geographic elevation. Mount Lebanon, which is the central pass of the west coast of modern-day Lebanon, is the highest point in the Israel-Lebanon-Syria area. It's the highest point. And very interesting that the Hebrew word for Lebanon means whiteness. Whiteness. In fact, the prefix, when you transliterate it, it means white and it's used throughout the Old Testament. And it refers to being white, patched, and cleansed of sin. Wow. So the righteous are like the cedar of Lebanon. There's this whiteness, this purity, this cleansing from sin. Isaiah 1.18, God says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And the word white is the word Lebanon. Lebanon was so named because of its, the mountains that were snow-capped. The eastern ridge, we are told that it's almost covered perpetually in snow throughout the day. So we draw this spiritual parallel from the geographic location of this tree. That we as the righteous, we are righteous not because of our own doing. We stand before God without a sense of sin, guilt, without a sense of fault, not because of what we've done. But because the Bible tells us, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That we should be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are not pure and cleansed because of our own doing, but it's because of the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what gives us victory as righteous people is our understanding of the grace and the love and the mercy of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It goes further. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. We understand the cleansing power of our Lord Jesus Christ. How the blood of Jesus is able to change any woman, change any man. No matter what you have done, no matter how far out you are, no matter how many things you have committed, the blood of Jesus Christ is what cleanses us and makes us to be God's people. What a comforting thought. What a comforting thought. To know that God has dealt with our sin through the purifying, cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. The righteous are like the cedar of Lebanon. And we stand before God without a sense of guilt, shame, inferiority. And we know we have a right of approach. 
And we know God can hear our prayers. All because of his grace and his love. Come on, if you love him, give him a hand of praise this morning. Because he's a good God. Come on, I, I don't think that's a hand of praise. Come on, just, 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 just give him a shout and thank him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Andrew Crouch used to sing a song. I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. But then he says, but oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad he did. How many of you are glad he did? Oh, the Bible says, whilst we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He didn't die for us because we were seeking God. We didn't find Jesus. He found us. We are the ones that are lost. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Just like the cedar tree. Just like the cedar tree. Oh, you may wonder why we praise God so much and we shout so much. Because we know who we used to be. We know what God has done in our lives. We know when God entered our confused lives, he changed us. There's a song that says something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, God took away. And God changed my life. You remember that song we used to sing? I am so glad that Jesus took my sins away. So we stand today, not because of our own doing, but because of the grace of God. Why don't you give him again a hand of praise and thank him? Come on, somebody, give him a hand of praise and thank him. Come on, somebody, give him a hand of praise and thank him. I wonder where we would be if it was not because of his love. I wonder what I would be doing this morning if it was not because of his love. I wonder what state I would wake up in if it was not because of his love. I wonder what my family would look like if it was not because of his love. I wonder how I would look like if it was because of his love. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad he did. He who spared not his son but gave him up for us. The Bible says, how shall he not with him give us all things? The God who loved us and the God who cared for us. I think he deserves another praise. Don't you think so? 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 Do you know why we want to gather like this and give him praise? Do you know why we want to meet together and give him praise? Because we understand what he did in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three. Number three. Oh, Jesus. Oh, goodness. The cedar wood was considered excellent building material. We are told that this wood, when you quote from the Jesenia's lexicon, they say the wood of a cedar tree would give out odor. It had no knots, K-N-O-T-S, and not liable to decay. It was used, therefore, for building and adorning the temple and the royal places. (laughs) (laughs) So this this cedar tree, we know it to be an excellent tree to build with. What does it say to us? 
It means as we strive to build godly character in our lives, God tells us, build your life with expensive, durable, non-decaying material. Don't build your spiritual life on luck, motivation, funny stuff. Build it on material of excellence, which is the word of the living God. We have to be careful when we build our lives. That is not only what we build, but how we build and what we use to build with. Because God is very serious about the material used, what we are using, and how we are using what we are using. You can never build a strong spiritual life when you don't have a strong relationship with good biblical sound material. You can't build a strong spiritual life out of luck, out of hope, out of motivation, out of reading some funny material. You can only build it by using the material that we find in the word of God. You've got to build it so you have to be a student of God's word. You have to be committed to the word of God. You've got to believe God's word, embrace God's word, act on God's word, stand on God's word, build on God's word. Even when it comes to the building of the church and the building of the house of God, we've got to follow biblical examples and biblical material. You know, sometimes I hear people who are, and please just take it right. Please don't scale up, don't, don't quatella me, all right? Don't, don't, don't be angry with me. But I, I know people who are in marketing and I love them. You know, sometimes they say, no, we'll market your church. And I say, fine, you can market it. But please, in marketing, because usually the goal of marketing is to make something bigger than what it is. How, why do you act like you don't know what I'm talking about? You know, I've often argued, you know, when they are selling us, Lux soap. Why don't they hold it up in Jena with a string and you just see a hand with a string and lux soap there and they say lux. They know you're not going to buy. Even if it's the real lux, it's actually lux. No, 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 no. You're not going to buy. You know what they do? They look for the most beautiful woman. Come on, don't act like that, church people. You know what I'm talking about? They look for the most beautiful woman to wash in that soap. So there's more about hair washing with that soap than there is about the soap. And at the end of it, they say lax and they show you her beautiful face, her pretty face. So you go and buy it in the hope that when you wash with it, you will finally look like her. And the only thing is going to wash away the dirt from your face, but it's not going to wash away your looks. I'm sorry. But that's what advertising is about. It's about exaggerating. They don't sell you the product. They sell you the feeling and the emotion and the experience. But when it comes to God, we cannot use. Can't use this. Now, I, I didn't say we can't market. All I said is we can't exaggerate. When you give your testimony of what God in your life. If you had a toothache, don't tell us that you almost died. You are not going to die from a toothache. There's no need. I just had a toothache. Period. Dying is, it's a, dying is a serious thing. Listen to what Paul says. 
when he talks about it. In 1 Corinthians 3.10, he says, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Paul says, when I build for God, I don't just take material and just throw it together. I don't just pile up stuff and do it as an afterthought. But I apply myself. Because it's not just about the what, it's about the how. Says so when I build, I use excellence. When I build, I, I, I go as far as I go. I build as an expert master builder. Note what he says. Then he says, now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be careful. Paul talks as a founder of the church in Corinth. He says, as I started this church, and as I've made sure this church grows, I made sure in the teachings and the preaching and the foundation laid in this church, it's a good foundation. It's a godly foundation. It's a biblical foundation. But those who come in after me, when succession plan happens, I want them to be sure that when they build on what they've built, they use the right material. If a church is built on the word and it's built on prayer and it's built on holiness and it's built on the principles of intercession, you can't come and put another kind of material. You, can, you can't sustain what was born spiritually through motivation. You have to build with the same material. He says, let them build and be careful. Verse 11, no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. That's what the church is about. It's about Jesus Christ. The church is not about our names. It's not about our personalities. It's about Jesus Christ. And when we come to church, Jesus must be the one and the only. Jesus must be the first and the last. It must be Jesus, 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 Jesus all the way. Can I hear an amen? This is the church of Jesus Christ, the church of the living God. It says it's about Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. He says, you see, it's, a, it's your decision. What kind of material you want to use in building? If you want to cut corners in your business and God go up the corporate ladder by cheating and lying and being corrupt, it's your choice. You may be building, but what kind of material are you using? What kind of material are you using? If you want to grow a church, you can grow a church by stealing other people's members. By coming up with lying prophecies. By, by, by behaving like you're really anointed when you're really not. You can come up with gimmicks if you want to. The church will be large. The people will come. But it says, verse 13, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. What does he say? He said there comes a day when we will really know the truth. Because there are things that our world claps to. There are things that get many likes in our world. There are things that our world parades and talk about. But when you look at the standard of God, they are not God's standard. 
You and I, we will never know the true motive of any person. Only God knows my motive. Only God knows your motive. But there comes a day when we will all know. We will all know what we built with. Let me close with this. I've got one minute to go. It says here, verse number four. Did I say verse number four? Point number four. Okay, I still have about four minutes. Number four, being like a cedar of Lebanon also speaks of growth despite the surroundings. God equates the righteous with this kind of tree. Adam Clark quotes a scholar who visited these trees way back in 1697 and says, these noble trees grow among snow near the highest part of Lebanon. The beauty of this analogy is to show that these trees grow in harsh conditions and yet they have flora and they grow all year round, even in dead winter. Wow. Interesting that this tree is known to be an evergreen tree. That right around is green all the time. And so what is it saying? It's telling us that our kind of faith Grows even in times of difficulty. Uh, even when seasons are difficult, our faith keeps growing. If there's one thing I have learned during this time that we have been through, is how you can still believe God, even when your head doesn't understand what's going on all around you. How you can hear the news of your family members passing, and your friends passing, and the next time you come to church, the church has Gained more. There's a lot more God is doing this side, even when you are surrounded by all kinds of sad things. God, how can these things coexist? How can you come from crying at home and weeping your eyes out and you move into a situation where you see the hand of God move mightily? What a contradiction. And one of the things we haven't taught well the Christian community today is to say that we are believers in Christ. It doesn't mean we will not go through trials. That really when you read God's word, you realize that the church survived even more and grew even more in times of difficulty and persecution and hardness. We shouldn't have a brand of Christians that when things get hard, they're the first to run away. They're the first to change what they believe. They're the first to turn their backs on God. It should be that even when it doesn't make sense, we will stand up like Job and said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Even if I've lost my children and I've lost my house and I've lost my health, I'm not going to turn back on God. I know that my Redeemer liveth. That's the cedar tree that we grow in spite of. We are firm in spite of. Even when it's cold, even when it's dry because this tree grows in dry, arid regions. But we are evergreen. And we read the last scripture. 1 Corinthians 16, listen to what Paul says. He writes a letter to the church in Corinth. Listen to what he says to them. He says, this time I don't want to just have a short visit and go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. Then he says, in the meantime, I'll be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. Then he tells us the reason why. He says, here in Ephesus, 
There's a wide door for a great work here. There's a great opportunity. He said, but yet there are many adversaries. <laughs> what an oxymoron. What a contradiction. There's a great door, an effective door of utterance. There's great opportunity to advance the cause of the kingdom. He says, there are many adversaries. So Paul is saying, let me decode it for you. He says, I'm going to go on with the work of God. Adversary or no adversary, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on with the work of God. Pain or no pain, I'm going to go on. I will go on with the work of God. While I'm crying, I will still go on. I'll get up from my knees and go on with the work of God. I'll go on with the work of God. Whether I understand or I don't understand, I will go on with the work of God. I will cry myself to sleep, but I will wipe my tears and I'll get up in the morning and I'll go on with the work of God. That's the believer. That's the righteous. Just like the cedar of Lebanon. That even when it doesn't make sense, and when it's dry and arid and the snow falling on us, we still flourish anyhow. I see you flourishing anyhow. I said, I see you flourishing anyhow. I see you flourishing anyhow. I said, I see you flourishing anyhow. Why? Because God says the righteous are like the cedar of Lebanon. Why don't you raise your hands and just thank God for his grace and his word and everybody stand on your feet. Why don't you raise your voice and thank him. And those of you who are joining us on television, if you want to invite Christ in your life where you are, Jesus can change you. We have a number on the screen that you can call right now. There are people who are there who want to counsel with you and pray with you. You may have gone through a time of great difficulty, a time of confusion, where you don't know what to do. God has not forsaken you. God loves you. And for those of you who want to invite Christ in your lives, join me in this prayer. Can you all join me in the prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a good hand? Hallelujah. Give him a, a big hand, everybody. Come on.